Right, it is Imar Substitute, the Sports Inquirer. Welcome to another edition of the Sports Inquirer show. We are recording this on January 31st, 2022, last day of the month. We have a lot to get to. It's been a few weeks since we did our last show. Thanks for your patience. If you're watching us or listening to us today, we're going to recap the conference championship games in the NFL, as well as break down the Royal Rumble that took place this past weekend and maybe some other news and notes in the world of sports as we have time permits. But as always, to follow everything that we do, head to the mothership, to sportsinquire.net, premier site for news and notes in the world of sports. You're able to go to the site, see everything that we have going on, and that's a central hub for all that takes place in our media world. We're going to start having some more college content over the next, hopefully, week or two. Took a little bit of a break from that, but Georgia State, Georgia Tech, uh, and beyond, uh, we will hopefully get to some of those activities. February starts the uh, the spring tra- – I call it spring training, but the summer – spring football. That's what I'm trying to say. Spring football starts off uh, for uh, several of the local college teams here in the state of Georgia. Already got some notices about that. So we'll be on top of that throughout the month of February coming up and more. So make sure you head to our site to check that out. Also go to our social media platforms on Facebook. Look us up under the Sports Inquirer. Uh, you go look us up on uh, Twitter and Instagram under Sports Inquirer, all one word, uh, to see everything that we have going on. Starting to do some live tweeting of different sporting events. So make sure you head to those platforms to see us do that. And then finally, subscribe to us on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor, and iTunes. Just search for us, the Sports Inquirer, or my name, Imar Sofortut, and you should be able to find us, follow us, and keep track of what we are doing. So yeah, as I mentioned, it has been a while since we've done a show. Thanks for following us and keeping up with some of the things we've been going on. But yeah, just trying to figure out and get organized and uh, get some things going. But now that we are, should have a more regular recording schedule now uh, that we are approaching February you know, and beyond. But yeah, but just some NFL thoughts as we get into the conference championship games uh, from past few days we'll start with philadelphia san francisco game san francisco when brock purdy who's done a very good job as a starter for the 49ers when he hurt his arm we learned recently within the past 24 hours he uh, tore his uh, ucl which is pretty much the same ligament that you see all the baseball pictures with tommy john surgery he has that he's gonna be out six months Uh, san francisco has some decisions to make on that regard but once he got hurt you knew they were in trouble and then when the backup quarterback comes in he gets concussion that's bad too and obviously we know now Purdy had a torn uh, elbow ligament couldn't barely throw the ball you knew they'd be in trouble but I before the game my Super Bowl prediction but with the conference championship games was a uh, Philadelphia Cincinnati so I knew the Eagles had a very good chance of winning they've been the best team in the NFC all year and I think you don't look at them in that way because they do have a a younger quarterback who and Jalen Hurts has emerged as an MVP, but then you injured, injured his shoulder and you were concerned about that. Uh, but they, I think they would have won the game anyway, even with Purdy, if he was at full strength playing in the contest. You saw that first drive when they drove down the field, went for it on uh, fourth and short with a big catch by uh, Devonta Smith, the uh, the one-hander. Uh, you know, just really gave the momentum and helped lead the way for the the Eagles to continue 
just pushing throughout that contest. They end up making it 31 points in the end, but I thought that the 49ers defense is very strong, kept the 49ers in it. And I know it sounds like I'm talking out of two sides of my mouth, uh, but I think that eventually the Eagles would have worn them down. Uh, and I think that's what you saw happen, you know, in the contest. And you got to give the Eagles credit because uh, when Nick Sirianni was hired a few years ago, had that awkward press conference. He had a guy with no, uh, I don't think he had any coordinator experience and he hired offensive and defensive coordinators who were never coordinators uh, in the NFL. So you had the youngest coaching as far as the, the triangle of your head coach, along with the coordinators, I think the, the youngest trio in the league, most inexperienced for sure. And you had Jalen Hurts, a quarterback who, Came into the league, but was a very skeptical of what he could do. They have played very well, and they've been just rolling through that up this entire season. Their line play is outstanding, both the led by by Kelsey and, and and Lane Johnson. They have the best offensive line probably in the entire NFL. You got the AJ Brown's been a, a incredible send for them from Tennessee to give them that vertical threat. The Smith has been a the Heisman Trophy winner from Alabama has been a very good outside threat as well. They have put together a, and a very solid defense as well. They, top to bottom, probably the best team in the entire league. And I think coming into this season, we thought for the NFC, we thought about the Rams, defending Super Bowl champions, thought about the Packers because of Aaron Rodgers, his presence. Even Dallas, with their roster, you looked at those teams in San Francisco as well, even with starting the season with Trey Lance, and replaced by Jimmy Garoppolo, either one of those guys. And San Francisco had an excellent run to the conference championship game, despite having to play all those quarterbacks. You thought of all those teams really before you thought about the Eagles, but they have shown out and been the best team uh, in the league. And they're going to face Kansas City in the Super Bowl, the Andy Reid Bowl. Uh, as far as the KC Cincinnati game, by the way, the uh, the Chiefs won 23 to 20 uh, over the Bengals. And yeah, you got the refereeing. I know was questionable, and in some spots. And yes, that late hit on uh, Mahomes while he was running out of bounds got the ball closer for Harrison Buckner, the Georgia Tech alum, locally here in Atlanta. Him able to hit that game-winning field goal, and a, a lot of griping and playing about the officiating, which is understandable. But I think officiating. I think what's happened. First of all, I think officiating has always been inconsistent. It's a human element to it. But I think 20, 30, 40 years ago, we didn't have replay as consistent. We didn't have as good cameras. Uh, we didn't have the, the microphone. We didn't have such visual access to everything that is taking place on the sporting field, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, soccer, every, tennis. I was watching the Australian Open. And years ago, the ball hit. The, you know, those judgment calls with ball hitting line or hitting outside the line, there was no appeal. There was no uh, uh, the eagle eye or hawk eye, whatever you want to call it, looking down and being able to see if the ball actually hit the, hit the line. I watch soccer all the time. There was no uh, VAR to look at offsides and look at handballs and or fouls in the, the penalty area. Plays just happen. And obviously, you could maybe look on later on and see some things like, oh, that was a blown call. But it wasn't as instant in the moment. Uh, we all have HD TVs. 
we all have very good views of what's going on. So this whole thing about all the officiating is is bad and terrible. I think it's always had because it's the humans. And that's that's been a factor. And I think these athletes are so big and strong and the game is so fast, it's almost gotten past the vertical line to officiate. Uh, in the and now disrespect no respect to the athletes of 60s and 70s and 80s, great athletes and all timers in respective sports, but the athletes are bigger, stronger, and faster. I'm not saying that they're better. I'm just saying physically, in every single sport that you look at, the athletes are just in better shape and stronger and faster. And you're asking, we have, we've not, not gotten better vision over the years or, or better perception of how we see or hear things, you know, and as far as officiating, that's just human evolution it has not caught up to what we've seen on the field. So when you see all the calls, and I'm not saying the officiating can be better and it can improve, everything can improve. Uh, but I don't think that was the fact there the Bengals lost because of that. I just think quite simply, the Chiefs were able to make bigger plays when necessary. Uh, you had Mahomes playing pretty much on one leg on that high, high ankle sprain, finding ways to get the ball. Kelsey was tremendous in that, in that first half. Uh, you know, just you find they found a way to win the game. And, you know, so I think that we have plenty of time to talk about the Chiefs and uh, the Eagles Super Bowl. But I wouldn't, I don't have, I think that's as far as favorite. I've been saying Philadelphia. I think they've been the best team in the league all season. So my early prediction is Philadelphia. But I could talk myself into Kansas City. I think all of you out there uh, can as well. But we do have, I think, the two best teams in the NFL playing in the Super Bowl. The NFC side, without question, Philadelphia has been the best team all year. The AFC, I think Buffalo's been a solid team. Cincinnati, I think, is right there as far as second or third best team in the league. Kansas City just beat them this past week, so you guys say Kansas City is better, but Cincinnati is just right there. Uh, but overall, I think this is going to be a very good matchup, a lot of fun. I, I guess the storylines write themselves. You have Mahomes trying to go for his second Super Bowl in five full seasons as a starter, I believe. I'm not going to say he's got the Tom Brady seven, but this is going to be a significant step for him in carving out his legacy. You have on the other side, Philadelphia, sneaky two Super Bowls in the past, I think, six years for them if they win this one. So that that's not a dynasty necessarily, but for a team that last NFL championship before their last Super Bowl appearance and win over the the Patriots when Nick Foles was a starter was uh, back in 1960, Chuck Mednarek uh, back in the day. Two Super Bowl wins in the past five or six years is a nice little run for them as well. As mentioned, Andy Reid, all-time winning coach in Philadelphia history. I believe he's now the all-time winning coach in Kansas City history as far as so he's the all-time winning coach in both those franchises. All those years he was with Philadelphia, those four consecutive NFC Championship games, made the one Super Bowl with them with Donovan McNabb as starter. But all those years kind of petered out in Philadelphia, moved on to Kansas City. That's had a revival of his career, turned himself into a Hall of Fame head coach. you got to believe at this stage of the game. So you have him, but ties to both of those franchises. You have the Kelsey Bowl, uh, Jason and, uh, and Travis. Probably the best tight, definitely the best tight end in the NFL right now, in my opinion. 
and probably the best center in the league right now. So those two guys, obviously, they're both very social media savvy. They got that big podcast. That's a really good listen. Uh, I want to say, oh, it's the Heights. Height, look them up. They do a really good job, both representing their Cleveland, uh, Ohio neighborhood. So obviously got those two guys in the Super Bowl. That's going to be a lot of fun seeing that take place, two brothers facing each other. I'll put it out there, and I'll mention it because I've seen the media already talk about it, two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl facing each other. I don't really like to get into the race thing and first black this or uh, the last black to do this and that. I don't like getting into the racial arguments or, or gender arguments as well. Not arguments necessarily, but pointing out those facts. I just like to watch the ball game, but you do have to acknowledge it. And I just acknowledge it now. That is a, it is a significant moment if you're really into looking at race and how it ties into professional sports. So that'll be a storyline we're going to hear a lot about as well. So yeah, so there's a lot going to happen with that Super Bowl. And I said we'll have plenty of time to delve into that and break it down over the next week or two. Uh, just some other NFL thoughts that we can touch on as well as we develop. We've had some coordinator hirings. Kellen Moore out as Dallas OC, offensive coordinator. Now he's with San Diego, with Los Angeles. I keep saying San Diego Chargers. I got a call. They're, they're San Diego still to me. But no, they are the L.A. Chargers. I think this is a move. If you're, if you're Brandon Staley, the head coach of the, the Chargers, you're very concerned because you – Blue, you, you're, you were part of a team that lost a 28-point lead in the first round of the playoffs. Granted, it was at Jacksonville. You lose that game. Your coaching decisions have been very inconsistent over the years, and that's being very generous uh, with his play calling and just execution. And now you're going to bring in Kellen Moore, who last year this time was one of the hottest coordinators for a head coaching position in the entire NFL. And now he is coming into your, your coaching room. If you get off to a bad start, all they have to do is fire you and bring in Kellen Moore, just elevate him to the head coaching spot. So I thought that was a very interesting hire by the Chargers, bringing him uh, into, into the fold. I, I, would not, I, now I don't know if Staley had, a, had that decision or if he had that choice that might have been above him. But it reminds me similar to when here in Atlanta, when Wade Pierce was the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks and they hired Nick McMillan. And McMillan, more experienced, more tenured in the NBA, been at different coaching spots, loves a success, playoff appearances. And the Hawks brought him in to be an assistant coach to Lloyd Pierce, who his first time being a head coach in the NBA, still finding his his way and finding his his form as an NBA head coach. And you bring in a guy who's more experienced than him, older, more distinguished, bigger name to be the assistant. Lloyd Pierce gets off to a bad start uh, to the season. The Hawks uh, leave him of his duties. And Nate McMillan gets elevated to head coach. And who's still the head coach of the Hawks as we record this show? Nate McMillan. So it seems like a very similar situation uh, going on there where if the Chargers get off to a two and four start or, you know, even at the halfway point there at 500 or below 500, that's going to be a very easy transition for the general manager and the, the ownership of the Chargers to send Staley his way and bring in Kellen Moore because you are probably talent wise, 
not achievement wise yet. Talent wise, probably a top five quarterback in the NFL. I'm not saying he is a top, and, and Justin Herbert, he's not the top five yet. But if you look at his skill wise and all of the elements that he brings to the table, that guy should not be so far in his career without a playoff victory and just making his first playoff appearance. They have to be, they're underachieving as a franchise. So that's something that be keep your eye out for that. And another thing, I when Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers make a decision on their respective careers, that's the only time I'm going to talk about them. I'm mentioning it now just because it's a story. Look, Tom Brady, all-time quarterback, probably the best ever. I mentioned the seven Super Bowls. 45 years old. I think he turns 45 coming up later on in the year. Look, if he stays with Tampa, he's not going to stay with Tampa, but if he goes to the Raiders, if he goes to San Francisco, if he retires, <coughs> whatever he does, let's get it over with. Get it done. That's all I care about. All of the speculation and the analysis and him trying to figure out what he's going to do and everything like that, I really have no care for that. When he makes an announcement or decision <coughs> excuse me, to retire or to go to another franchise, cool. We'll talk about it break it down, give some analysis and give our thoughts on it. But until then, just, and he's being, he's been radio silent for the most part. I know he has his, his podcast or radio show. Let's go with Jim Gray and, and a Fitzgerald, a Larry Fitzgerald, very solid show. It's not serious. I listen to it on mad dog radio, not a bad show, but outside of that, you haven't heard too much from him. Take some time off, figure it out. That's understandable. Aaron Rodgers, though, this is this joker. Look, he's an all-time great, too, future Hall of Famer. We get all of that. But this melodrama with him all year, and now even now, it's like, I may come back, I may not. Now he's trying to send little feelers out there. Maybe he goes to the Raiders. Maybe he goes to the Jets. Maybe he goes to, you know, wherever. Here's the reality with Rodgers. I said all-time great quarterback, but he's a drama, dramatic person. I don't want to say drama queen or king. That's a little disrespectful, but he's very dramatic as a per, as a person, as a quarterback. I don't know as a person. I don't, know, I don't get into all the outside of the field stuff, but as a quarterback and with that Packers, it's just very dramatic. Look, you have two years left on your contract, well, one year guaranteed with the $50 million. We'll just round up to 50 And then the second year is a player option for about another 50 just keeping it very simple with the numbers. He's coming back to play for that money. And look, I know he says money doesn't mean anything to him, and he tries to play play off this role of like, like I'm just a human being playing quarterback and I have other interests. We've seen with Jeopardy, and we hear him with on a, a Pat McAfee show, which is very, it's a good, is a good insight into the mind of a very unique person. I'll put it that way. But look, here's the decision: if I'm the Packers, here's the deal. Within the next. Well, they can't really do trades and things like that yet because the season is – it's not the offseason yet. But obviously you can start talking and figuring out some things. I just go to Aaron Rodgers right now. be like, look, here's the deal. We have if you're another two years or well, one year. The second year is a player option. Do you want to be here or not? If you want to be here, cool. We'll keep you. We'll figure out what to do with Jordan Love. We'll probably trade him for some for a draft pick or two. Probably a draft pick. Just we'll find a way to – uh, get rid of him because he's sitting on the bench, just not contributing in any way. Now he's going to get malcontents, and he's a not say a waste of a roster spot, but it's not it's not worth it. 
So if you say, look, if we're if you want to stay, you're going to stay. You're going to be quiet. You're going to come. You're going to say you're coming back for another season. We're going to end this now, and you're going to play for us this year. And then next year is a player option, which you'll probably do anyway, because that's another $50 million that you're not going to turn down. That's what we're going to do. If you do not want to be here, just do like Derek Carr did in, uh, with the, the Raiders. Look, it, and Carr is technically still a Raider, but he's like, look, it's been real. The, I'm not going to return. It's been real. Now he's in the open market. Not open market. He still has to be traded, relatively speaking. Uh, but it's you, you, you already know what your direction is going to be. With the Raiders, they already know, okay, we're going to look for another quarterback. If you're the Packers, you can do the same thing. And Rodgers wants to go, just look, all right, he's not coming back. Just get the process started now. But just him with this him and hawing and all this other stuff, and he's not retiring. That's another thing. And, look, I don't, I'm not in his life. I don't know his body. He might be beat up pretty good. I mean, he's a quarterback playing for 10, 15-plus years. Obviously, he's physically, you know, you're hurt by that. And he has regressed by his standards over the past year or two by his standards, still a top five, probably quarterback in the league, top 10, but we're used to him being maybe the best or a second or third best. So, I mean, is he still an elite quarterback? Don't get me wrong, uh, but was it worth it at this stage? He's not going to play to 45 like Brady is at a solid level. That's just not that I can tell, but just all of the discussion about, is he going to go? Is he going to stay with the team? Is he gonna, he's not retiring, though, because he's not turning down that money. And he has a good situation with the Packers. You know, they're still going to be a playoff team next year. You don't retire from that. If you're When you're in those with the Lions, with Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders, where you're in a perpetually losing franchise, that's when you look at the, yourself and say, look, I've made my money. I'm an all-timer in my position. I you know that's when you look at the retirement and you're like, okay, we're just not going anywhere. But when you're a guy like Aaron Rodgers with a solid Packers team that is going to be in the playoffs next year, and you would think, I know they didn't make it this year, but they'll be in contention for a playoff spot. And with a few tinkers on the roster, they could be in contention. You're not going to walk away from that. So that's where I just get tired of hearing about him and what he's going to do and everything like that. All right, and then lastly, I got to run in a few minutes, but just quick thoughts on the Rumble. I thought the World Rumble, I thought they were pretty predictable, what you're going to see. We knew Cody was going to win the World Rumble. You don't have him doing all those spots of training, and you see the surgery, rehabbing from the torn pack, and all of this video vignettes or VTRs, whatever you want to call it. He's not. They're not going to do all that and not have the payoff. And him ultimately winning, not winning the Rumble, which he did. And the storyline writes itself. Cody coming back from injury, second generation wrestler. Obviously, his father, the great legendary uh, Dusty Rhodes brother, is Dustin Rhodes, you know, royal family. And he's going against the bloodline or whatever is left of it. But obviously, Roman Reigns, we know about his family lineage with, with Afa and Sika, with the Wild Samoans, The Rock, Rikishi, The Usos, the whole entire uh, Samoan family. So the two legendary families kind of facing off. You can see all the vignettes, all the references to their to their fathers and their and their their brothers and cousins and all of that stuff. So it's it's obviously 
an easy storyline to write for the for WrestleMania. So I thought Cody winning was was solid. Rhea Ripley winning the Women's Rumble makes sense too. She's done a very good job with the uh, with Judgment Day. She's the star of that team. Look, I know that Finn Balor is a solid wrestler. I I love Damian Priest back with his Truth Martinez days when Ring of Honor. He's legit too. And Dominic Mysterio has really grown on me. Someone that I was a little leery of because he just looked too baby-faced and too uh, too wholesome. But I think him being a heel and getting some showing his darker side has been awesome. Uh, but, so those, all of them are great. And Edge, I thought, really did a good job with Judgment Day getting it going and getting started. But Rhea's a star in that thing, man. It, just the visual. She looks so unique compared to all of the other women not only in WWE, but maybe in all of wrestling, because you combine her size. She is a big woman, athletic, and I'm saying big, not as in uh, as overweight or sloppy, but fit. She's very, very fit, very uh, strong. And then the tattoos, and then the haircut. She is a, uh, and I know visually for a lot of, uh, she's very attractive to a lot of people, men and women. Trust me, I, I I listen to the podcast. I read the message boards. She has a lot of fans out there. No, I'm a fan too. She's very attractive, but that does, but that is part of the part of the package, you know, for her. And she brings such a unique look compared to so many other wrestlers. So you bring her co- competing against a Bianca or a Charlotte Flair or Becky Lynch. She brings such a different element to it. So it's gonna be very interesting to see what direction they go with who she chooses to face as the champion and everything like that. And then the bloodline breaking up, you knew it was going to happen eventually. I And the way it was done, Roman Reigns, he did win his match against Kevin Owens. However, with, with Zayn refusing to help Roman Reigns cheat during the match, that kind of showed some sympathy uh, for, uh, for, for Sammy. And then after the match, it's very rare where you have a guy hit somebody from behind with a chair and they turn into a baby face. That's very unique. Usually it's the reverse. Usually you have a baby face crew, guys who've been partners and together. And then one turns, his, they literally turn his back and hit him with the back of the chair. And that's usually the bad thing. But when you see that happen, when, with the bloodline, it's the reverse. So now, and then they stomped out Sami Zayn, kicking him out in essence. So now you have a sympathetic Sami Zayn all alone by himself, and you have a defiant Roman Reigns asserting himself as the head of the Matt was I can say Master Chief, the uh, Tribal Chief, the head of the head of the table. All those those uh, terms. So now you have a, a Roman Reigns establishing himself as a bad guy. Because we all love Sammy. And him just stomping him out is bad. What happens with the Usos, Jay and Jimmy? You have both of them at certain points, a love-hate relationship with Sammy. Does Do one of them side with Sammy? Or do they continue their loyalty to Roman Reigns, their blood cousin, for real? So that adds a lot to it. Does Kevin Owens, he's not just going to go away. Does he? him and Sammy reunite? Because they've both been beaten up by the bloodline. Paul Heyman, you know him. He goes with the now he's with he's gonna probably stay with Roman because he likes to go with the the top guy. But where does he put himself into this scenario? So I like what they did with that as far as 
the bloodline breaking up, you know, so because it had you knew it was coming to this moment. Does Sami Zayn get a title shot against Roman at Royal Rum at a, at a uh, WrestleMania? I don't know about that because I think you got Cody and Roman set for that second night. That's got to be the, the championship match, and that can make a very excellent case for Cody winning that match. We'll have time to go over that over the next few months, literally. Uh, but there is an elimination chamber coming up. Do you go with Sammy and Roman for that? That's a little quick for me, but I can definitely see that being maybe a buildup, or maybe you do a you get the Usos and Roman in a uh, in a match against Sammy and Cody because now they're they, they have a common connection. They're kind of both going after Roman, and then maybe Owens. They, I think I just booked the Elimination Chamber. There we go. Uh, but no, we'll have a lot of time to go into that stuff as well. But I thought Royal Rumble a little long though. I fell asleep during it. I must admit, I had to wake up the next day and. Because first of all, they started off with the rumble itself, the the, the match placement. I, look, I, I mean, I, I think you should have the rumble, the last two matches should be the men's world rumble and then the the championship match. Or if you want to flip that and have the championship match first, or second to last match for the men, and then the world rumble, I can I can do that. But have the men's world rumble start off the show. Ooh, I didn't like that at all. I thought that was. And because after the rest of the show, it's kind of like, I don't say necessarily let down, but you, you know, it just, it was just, uh, I didn't like the placement of that at all. And I said, I must have been, I had a long, I was working all Saturday, so I was a little tired. Uh, so I, me falling asleep, not necessarily indictment on the show. The show was okay, but by the time you got to like 10 uh, East Coast time, 10 30, 11, and the Rumble still, the, uh, the, t- the title championship match for the men with the Reigns. And uh, Owens had not even started yet. Man, I was pooped. I was beat up. So I just went to bed. I woke up and I saw the results and I watched the match. And it was a very good match and everything. But yeah, these shows go on way too long. And uh, yeah, or the shows go on too long. Uh, but in the end, I thought it was a very interesting show overall. A lot of lot to take away from that. And that concludes this edition of the Sports Inquirer show. Thanks for listening. And thanks for watching. As always, head to the mothership at Sports Inquirer dot net the sportsquire.net go to our social media platforms on twitter instagram and facebook under sports inquire all one word and then finally follow us on our social media platforms and visual and audio platforms as well on youtube soundcloud spotify google podcasts anchor and itunes under the sports inquire until next time good fight and good night <laughs>